welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. Whether you're chasing bugles over the next ridge, sitting a stand out east, this is about passion, pursuing our dreams of field, our lifestyle, the betterment of self and community, the enlightenment that comes from those moments spent in God's creation. Through these conversations, I hope you find insight, inspiration, education, and motivation to push beyond your limits. Oh, that's the one thing that sucks. It, uh, it would be nice. I really enjoyed that course last year. Um, just a nice facility, right? It's, it's, uh, it's lack of a better word, it's quaint. It's small and hometown. Yeah. You go there by yourself and it's, it's easy. Right. It's because, a nice range. The setting is nice. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to shoot, shoot, but I was like, man, this is a great range. And I love Bailey area anyway. Well, and you're coming out for Western Hunt Fest oh, yeah. again, yeah, so sure. you just have to freaking sneak out and shoot with us. Yeah, I think that's what the mistake was last year was, you know, you get wrapped up in, in doing what you're there to do, and then you miss the fun. So I'm going to try to figure out how to shoot at least one of the horses here. And then they have that, I think my target's on 13 or something like that. So I'm going to yeah. go over there and have some fun racing out. So on with uh, Scott Endrich um, with... Uh, Colorado Bowman um, met last year. Yep, at American Bowman. At American Bowman. And uh, it's funny because your wife is the face of everything. Right. You're like the... <laughs> I'm just laid back, he's kicking behind, it. He's the man behind Not the curtain, doing a thing. So to speak. Uh, but we were just talking about it. That's why I hit record. And, man, you know, that the American Bowman sign Bailey is just a phenomenal course for, you know, for the size of the property. It's just beautiful, man. Just a good course. It's set up nice. And, and one of the things that I find in a lot of the, I shouldn't say a lot of the broad stroke, but at courses is they're not very well kept. They get beat up. Um, membership. You guys do membership days where you have to come and put your work in your hours. Yeah, so before every shoot we try and have it where members come in and actually maintain the course. We make sure our targets are in good shape. We make sure course layout is looking good and cut the grass. Make sure everything is just dialed up so that when people do come visit it, it looks good. Um, but it's not but, just and, and this is just my experience, right? So it's not just before the shoot because there's no way that it look the way it did if it's just before I mean it, the maintenance has to be continual all the time, right? oh yeah yeah right and uh, my when I was in Cali the course that we were going to for 3d you didn't have that right you go and you're like everything is just beat to hell and it's like come on guys well and one of those things when you go to a 3d course that you see is a lot of the time targets are beat up they're yeah. chewed up you're shooting through a target you can't see scoring rings and that's one of the thing about Bowman is we try and spend some money on our targets and we don't like to have a we don't need a surplus. Our surplus is going straight back into targets. And with the way we're doing with our membership and getting a lot of members in there, as well as hosting some good shoots, we can put that back into targets. So we spent about $16,000 in targets alone last year, in one year. Um, that's getting another moose and buying inserts. That's doing the money moves. right there is the moose. Is it a, it's full size? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a full size moose. So now we have two full size moose, both in good shape. I've got two inserts sitting there for them so that when those inserts get chewed up, they're going right back in. But that's the thing is we've got those inserts sitting there so that, hey, we just have best of the best one weekend. Two weeks later, we're doing Western Hunt Fest this year. If one of those inserts right, get- They're almost back to back. They're almost year. back to back. But if one of those inserts gets chewed up on one, there'll be a brand new insert in it before the next shoot. It'll be going good. So it'll probably get pretty chewed up. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Between those two shoots, how how have how has best of the best and, and Unfest has it helped the course? Or oh, it's absolutely helped the course. Um, getting a lot of exposure from it, and uh, not only that, but helping out the sport of archery itself because you're getting a lot of big names out there to shoot with everybody. Um, but you're also getting the Western Hunt Fest side of things where it's a family oriented. You're getting a lot of kids running around. You're seeing a lot of people coming with their families, bringing their wives and stuff like that. Whereas best of the best, it's great. It's a lot of big names. People are coming out to shoot it with certain people, but it's not the same as Western Hunt Fest. They're two completely different shoots but both bringing exposure to the club right they're they're well, i don't even i wouldn't even say that they're completely different right i mean it's still 
is still like that's the thing that I love about the shoots right it's like-minded people sharing their passion and then I always try to reference like you know you're you're on the same road you're just in your lane right, right? And, it, and it's just amazing man to me to, to sit down and never have a conversation be able to shake hands look each other eye to eye and and actually have that sounds cliche or whatever and have that connection through archery or hunting it's just phenomenal dude it, it, it never ceases to amaze me when i start you know event season well and especially with this community is special in that fact that you can walk up to anyone and start sharing a hunting story but everyone's interested i think everyone's the, loving it the biggest difference from and i've never been the best of the best but I, I would imagine the biggest difference is the level of shit talking between the two events. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Best of the best is a whole different world because it is a lot of the guys who are really good shooters, but also are gonna talk shit to each yeah. other. So I mean, that, that has to be a blast. I think I might try to hit that event. You should. That has to Come be on. a lot of freaking fun just to just to be a fly on the wall with somebody. That's the one hole here. Is it thirteen where you sit there supposed to talk oh, mess here? It is. I think hole eight or nine. Okay. That you're just supposed to mess with the other archer, and it's it's crazy. Yeah. So we got to get a, one of the PAs if there's a portable and take it out there and just talk mess through the PA when folks are shooting. Just go. We need we need a mega horn. Just get out there. Oh. I told Jeff when he was telling me about it. I go, man, I think I'm gonna just sit on that hole for part of the day and just chatter at folks. Go. That's what we should do tomorrow. Just sit there. So how uh, how accessible is Bowman? Um, I mean, I know, you know, you, your family pretty much runs it, you, your wife, um, I know the kids are there. How accessible is it for families? Is there a kids range? How's that work? So we actually set up so that we have five different stakes at every single target. So we've got a youth stake at every target that's about 10 yards-ish. Um, and then we have traditional stake, a women's compound stake, a men's bow hunter stake, and a men's pro stake. So we're setting it up so that no matter what level of shooter you are, you've got somewhere to shoot from um, we've got two practice ranges on each side uh, two 20 target courses that are set up um, one side is always set up throughout the year so when you become a member you actually get a gate code and it's open to you 365 days a year so you can go whenever you want and we keep one course 100 up down or um, it's sun up to sundown. That's, that's so, um, any broadhead areas? We do have a broadhead box that we've made. Um, got a couple carpet targets in there, and you can shoot broadheads in there. And it goes out to about 50 yards, <coughs> which is ample for broadheads in most instances. Um, it's rough. It is. I don't think but it stops. Yeah, it stops. It stops. Them. Yeah, it stops. But them. we also keep foam targets in there in front. So you're shooting into the foam, and then if it's going through that foam, you're hitting that carpet. So the carpet's more of a safety side. Yeah, because I've seen, I've seen carpet and sand, and. The sand is just as bad. Sand is so abrasive to everything. I think I like the carpet, but the carpet is, I don't think it wreaks havoc. It's hard to pull broadheads out of carpet. That's Especially, where it comes well, the single bevels too, right? If, well, single bevels and mechanicals. The mechanical is I'm not a fan, but anywho, that's besides the point. <laughs> but those single bevels with that spin in there, man, that carpet is, uh, I'd rather pull them out of foam. Right, um, right. So when we actually, that's what we do is we take a lot of our old inserts that are shot through, we'll turn them sideways and throw them in that broadhead box because it still makes a great target. Right. Refoam them or something. Yep. You guys just use expansion foam. No, we literally will just sit and turn it. And so then you're shooting through the entire core. But if you have a, like the mountain goat core, you turn that sucker sideways, you've got a whole another target almost. Oh yeah, because that, that guy's probably foot and a half long so by the time you turn that sideways even if the center's shot out you're still stopping broadhead in that foam and not hitting carpet so what uh, what does it look like for members you know, there's you know work days requirements things like that so our membership side of things is 185 for a single membership 190 for a family which if you have another person in your household who shoots, you're gonna do a family membership. Oh, yeah. And that's what we want. That's why it is only $5 more. Because we want you to bring your family out and shoot with you and enjoy the course. Uh, 
Now, as far as work party side of things goes, if you do four work parties, you get $125 off of your membership the next year. So you don't have to do work parties. You're just going to pay the full 185. If you do four work parties and you're a single person, you're paying 60 bucks to hit the range. Even if you go once a week, that's what a dollar at the range, a little over a dollar. So what, is, so what does that look like if if you have the membership? So if you pay the 190 for the family, so you just have how many hours a year? As far as work party. Work party. So usually a work party. It depends on the work party itself, but usually I like to get there at about 8.30. We work till about lunch, and I always tell people to bring their bows because after lunch I'm playing. Shooting. We're, we're shooting. <laughs> like we're, we can usually get what we need to do in half a day. So do you ask that families come and try and work parties as a family? I'm sure the more the merrier, right? It just helps the Absolutely. And yeah, if people bring out their family, I mean, if you have a family of four and you all come out and you help, you got one work party and you're done. That's it. That's four credits right there. Finished. Finished. Oh, that's the way to go right there. Right. So. Um, and then how does it look if you, for people that never have been, you have public days or how does that work? So yeah, we do have quite a few public shoots. Um, a lot of our shoots are linked up with groups. Um, we do have RMAA that comes there, Colorado Traditional Archer Society that comes there. Uh, a couple other groups that are in there. We always do a youth shoot, so we do a free day with kids. Um, we have quite a few bows there that they can borrow. Uh, we set out balloons on the practice range, have the kids try and pop balloons, and uh, usually we have a divisional wildlife officer there, comes, talks to the kids, helps them with safety, and just get the kids out shooting too. I was gonna ask about the education piece. Uh, any classes, things like that outside of that? Uh, we don't do any classes or anything outside of that, um, but usually with groups, so we always have members, when they're potentially coming in, come to a meeting. And that's to help grow that community so that they meet guys that are here. Uh, and we always invite people out to shoot. Oh, you've been shooting for two weeks? Come shoot with me. Let's let's help you out. Let's get you going. Uh, so it's a more of a community side of things that we all help each other out. Less, I shouldn't say less education, less direct. less structure. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a couple. There's a couple places that I've been that will do. You know, they'll have instructors and they'll you know take the course for a day or something. Yeah. Classes and I always think it's it's a mixed thing, right? I guess it is archery, but I'm always worried about. Uh, the more we introduce, the more, the more competition there are for the other aspects of it in terms of tags and whatnot. It's a, right. It's a freaking dilemma, man. But it, right, it's that thing of, well, if we don't grow it, right. it's going to disappear. Right. Yeah. But if we do grow it, it's, we're going to lose out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's definitely a dichotomy of things, man. It's a, yeah, it's an interesting aspect. Uh, but no, really, I mean, super, super range. Um, you guys keep it up. It's just beautiful. And Bailey, like I say, Bailey is just amazing. Yeah, and usually once we hit in spring, because we just set up last week, uh, but now it's that springtime where the weather is beautiful. You get up there, it's usually about 10 degrees cooler than it is down in Denver. So on a 90, 100 degree day during the weekend, you get up to Bailey and it's 80 degrees and beautiful walking around in the trees in the shade. I was going to say, with all the tree cover there until you get into that, you know, that, that open range, I mean, there's no, I think, what was it? When we first got there last year, it was a little bit warm and then we got the rain. Shit, that was in August. Yeah. Right? And it started dumping on us. Yeah. But uh, just a beautiful course. So how do folks get a hold of you guys? They want to learn more. What's the website, Instagram? So, website would be AmericanBowman.com. Um, and then they can go in and fill out a membership application. And those applications actually go directly to me. So they'll hear back from me. Um, usually I'm trying within 24 hours to respond to people. Um, just because I want, people want to come shoot my course. I want them to be there. Um, Instagram, Facebook, both out there as well. So American Bowman Club. Uh, my wife does run both of those. So, and she's on top of them. Um, she's usually responding to people within 24 hours. And if she doesn't respond, it's probably because she's asking me what what needs to happen. Uh, so, and that's actually Jeff and Efren is that's how they got a hold of me is through Instagram. So, which was pretty awesome. So, outside of Bowman, man, what uh, 
what floats your boat on the mountain? I'm 100% archery. If I'm not running bowmen, I'm shooting my own bow. What so. animal? Oh, I love chasing muleys. Yeah, I love chasing muleys. Huh? But if that was if that was the only if. So you're saying the only animal? Mm. If somebody said, "Hey, bro, sorry, you can only have one tag every year for one animal," what is it? I'm gonna go muleys. No shit. No shit. <laughs> like, and I know it's probably not a popular opinion here. No, you know, you'd be surprised. It's. I'm gonna say it's fifty fifty. Uh, we're what 60 yards from the elk rows <laughs> yeah. and slayer yeah. but it's 50 50 dude i asked him when i asked that question did you get the guys that are like yeah i gotta chase my mule you know i love elk but i gotta chase the but there's also nothing like hearing a bugle right there you can chase from your face. Hear a bugle. <laughs> you just can't go after the bugle <laughs> right but, but there's something about that bugle that you're like oh i gotta go yeah so that's uh I get it. I mean, there's not. I love my mule deer hunts, man. I'm that's. I've probably had more success on mule deer. Well, I've absolutely had more success on mule deer than I have had elk over the years. Oh yeah. But uh, there's something about getting out and chasing those bucks, man. And Colorado has some nice bucks. Nice bucks. Nice bucks. I don't know. We we've been seeing some nice antelope here in New Mexico though too. I mean, coming down. Actually, I wasn't even out of out of Colorado yet. And I look over, and there's a man, a monster of a goat. Dude. I mean, he's he's every bit of that tall, like this wide on his cutters. And then I think it was his, was his facing, yeah. So it was his right side, and his right side was crooked like this. And I was like, oh my god, score well just for the width. Oh, dude, he's beautiful. And I was like, man. And uh, just driving, you know, because Joe lived in Cimarron, so I'm staying at Joe's place. So from here to Cimarron's about 43 miles. Uh, yesterday on the way back, and then coming in today, I probably counted 300 pounds. Jeez. Yeah. Well, and even just in the Whittington Center. Well, you know, which you can hunt here. It's great. Yeah. I didn't know. They that. were doing a. One of the gals was supposed to take out a turkey hunter this morning. Yeah. So they got what? turkey, mule deer, elk, antelope. You can actually hunt. Then on the east side of the property here, they're getting the whitetail coming over from the property next door, and then now they're starting to crossbreed with the muleys. Hmm. So I was like, they're not chasing the whitetail, but everything else is. I was like, game on. But have you looked at it? Thirty-three thousand three hundred acres of just prime freaking country, man. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I am pretty jealous of their setup here. Like we get into this building too yeah. even where the vendors are yeah. set up like it's nice it's amazing it's a great spot it's a i didn't realize so i, I podcasted with them earlier and it's not so nra kind of sponsors the place they they nra started it back in the 60s or something and they let it go and then mr whittington started a 501c3 i think they said it's a non-profit and kept building it up well, and that's what I was surprised about is that this is all a non-profit organization yeah. and it's a beautiful place. Like the housing, they have a two mile, you know, they have two mile horse range. Really? Because we went out and shot clays Thursday that. night yeah, and that was fantastic. Yeah. That was a good time. Got like they've got mile. they do, what do they call it? I think she said they call it the king of two mile and then there's one more two mile competition they do. Jeez. My dad doesn't even make sense to me. It's not two freaking miles. That's a That's long nuts. shot. Well, you don't expect that to be a thing for, okay, for maybe this is naive, right? But a civilian to come out and say, hey, yeah, it's two miles is a thing. And shoot right. two miles. But they said it's very, very popular. It's one of the most popular courses. The problem with it is they have to shut down their ghost town area to shoot the two mile course because it's taken up you know well, of course it's fucking two, two miles, miles. <laughs> that's big anywhere you are dude you imagine two miles damn no it's a beautiful center oh good event so then you guys are helping run this event to a point uh, how'd you get stuck with that um jeff and efren actually just called me up and said hey we're going down to new mexico can you come help <laughs> yeah i'm there yeah. So I was just a yes man. So. Yeah. Well, you set up the horses and everything, right? And it helps to have that experience. I did not. So Jeff and Efren oh, walked the first course. Um, 
the second course when we got here on Thursday, they needed a little help and tweaking and whatnot. So we came in and helped them with targets and setting some stuff up. Um, and then we did some tweaking on their first side just for shot angles and stuff like that. Um, but they, Jeff literally told me that he had me in mind every shot he planned. So he was like, what can I do to impress Scott? As of not last week, week before, I asked him, you know, of course, said, he was like, oh, I'm not doing it. Scott's doing it. It's, it's handled. So yeah. since we went to Texas, and that was the Texas hunt from the winter from the Bailey event last year, when we got back, we had talked about it. And it was you the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I'm, I am so enthralled with how this is going but um i just want to stay humble in this i mean i i know that they keep saying i'm their guy but this is all them well that this is the, my, my point of that is it says a lot about what you're doing at bailey as well right and, and that expertise um, and then the courses are hunt-based scenarios the best they can be on phone how does that look at Bailey? Is that a lot of the input more set targets there as well? Absolutely. So the biggest thing is we want to give most of our membership is hunters. Um, so we want to give them the looks that they're going to see out in the woods. So we've got some quartering away shots. we got some quartering two shots. we got shots going through trees, some that are going up over bushes that you can't even see the vitals, but you know it's there and you know what yardage and you have a clear opportunity. So that if you did run into that shot in the wild, you feel confident Dude, in it. As Jeff, I'm a big tra trajectory guy or understanding your trajectory. And that was one of the things when we were talking about this course, you know, months ago. I'm like, dude, just make sure that there's trajectory type shots, right? Where you, again, like you said, I know where the vital's at. I know the distance of the animal. That bush, shrub, brush, stick, whatever is at this yardage. Am I going to make it over that? So that's the funny thing is, is we also try and set up some shots. There's one here. People won't hear it soon enough, but there's one here. If they don't kneel, they're going to smack a log. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. If they don't watch their trajectory, they're going to do it. And that's one thing that people need to understand is, yeah, your arrow can hit that at 50 yards, but what trash is in the way? Mm -hmm. What sticks, what bushes, anything like that, that is going to throw your and arrow where off. in that plane is it right because that matters if apex is right in the middle right, right. At 25 yards you know what i mean it, it's going to matter I, I i think that's invaluable well a lot of people don't season. don't understand how that works especially like you can range that branch and if you've got a five pin sight you're shooting a 50 yard target and you put your sight up and your 20 yard pins on that stick that's on 20 yards guess what you're going to hit yeah. that stick so and I shoot a recurve, so trajectory is Huge. everything. Yeah. Like, yeah, I have. I've, <clears throat> thank you. Oh, I've always considered getting behind a, a true stick and string, be it recurve or longbow, and uh, I always look at it and I'm like, damn. I had a friend of mine, and he told me once, he's a. Uh, competitive very competitive high standing you know kind of world class uh, long range shooter and i love leverage right open side leverage yeah. he's like i don't even know why you have that thing what's the point you have all the technology so anytime i go hey, you know i think i'm gonna try trad this year and then i go ah why do that i got all the technology i talk myself out of every single time i'm like you're so chicken shit. so have you picked a trad bow up yet i i have but never seriously Oh, but it's so much more fun to shoot. It, it is. I like the challenge of it. And until I started, because I've only been chasing elk for probably five or six years now. And it was really heavy on my list of things until I started chasing elk and getting my ass kicked. So it's like, you know what? I'm not going to increase the ass kicking. I, I take it pretty good. But it's like, man, I put a trad bow in my hand. You know, it's that much closer. Huh? It's just that much closer. You got to get it. That's true. That is true. Like I need another goddamn hobby. <laughs> another piece of the hobby. That's but I why think I at some point I will. I've been looking. I've been looking at bows more and more. I got to get some more information so I understand them more than I do now with all the different components. And, you know, oh, 
right. materials for limbs and stuff like that. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be that traditional guy where it's full on wood. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not either. Like I've I've got carbon limbs and I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah, I'm going to shoot what is nice to shoot. Now a wood bow, certain wood bows, they shoot fantastic. And there's beautiful. I can't think of the gentleman's name. I think it starts with a W. One of the, Wingard? Yes. Okay. Some of those bows he makes. Who else has some good ones? South Cox with stalker stick bows? Yes. Oh my goodness. His bows just come out beautifully. I tell you how big of a bitch about it I have been. So I've been shooting archery for 26, 27 years. And I and I had a fascination with Black Widow, and, and really Black Widow was like, if I remember correctly, at the time was probably the only real high end type, custom type, bow. traditional bow was around. So I've been bitching out for years. Come on, <laughs> we just got to push you over that ledge. <laughs> it's just the ledge is like, it's like that pretty steep fall, man. Um, yeah, no, I, I think at some point I will. They, uh, it looks like a freaking. One of the things that I would say, um, as somebody who has went from compound to traditional, pick up just a little bit of coaching. It doesn't have to be much, but just to get the fundamentals, because it is such a fundamental change to go from a compound to a trad bow that you need just a little bit. So gripping changes, release side of things. Um, Tom Klum is a monster at running a really good coaching staff there, um, but also has RMS gear in Wheat Ridge. So he is oh, fantastic for it. Fairly local. Yeah. I mean, local from Western Slope. <laughs> right, right. That's and the hardest thing with stuff is on the slope. No. Nothing. No. No. I think there's, that I know of, there's two shops. Only one of them that I know of is archery focused, like a full-on archery pro shop. Right. Um, and that's... You, you almost have to learn how to work on your own bow if you live in a remote area. Oh, you have to. I have to. There's no... There's, there's no, no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah. No. It's, I mean, just for me to order something and get it... If you Amazon Prime is not a thing. No, right? like it doesn't exist. Really. Or, it's same know, where I live. Like you order something on Amazon Prime, you're not getting the same day. Most people get stuff same day. I'm like, what? What? Yeah. What is that? I'm like three days out, even if it's coming from Denver. Well, they'll say it's delivered, and then we'll get it three days later. Oh yeah. I mean that's like a regular, and it's just like, you know, it took me a while to get used to that. I was panicking. I'm like, it's not the mailbox. I'm calling. I'm doing. It'll be here when it's here. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like a couple, three days later after you've already put in the put in the claim everywhere and it's showing up and you're like, oh, okay, game. I actually had that with coffee. It took a week. It had said it was delivered and a week later it finally showed up. They already had sent me a new thing. So yeah. I called them up. I'm like, hey, like, I just got the other one. Like, just don't worry about my next order. They're like, no, stop. It was Black Rifle Coffee. They said, give it to a vet. That's all we want you to do. Just take that coffee, hand it to a vet. Yeah, so Black Rifle's pretty solid, but they're, they're actually probably the most consistent with our, because we're on a subscription for it, and they're the most consistent in terms of getting it out to getting you. Getting it out to us and kind of spot on, which most folks wouldn't even think of, but I'm on the slope. It's impressive when shit's on time all the time. Right? <laughs> That's one thing in our world that I think is nice, though is we're always so fast paced and wanting things instant gratification and archery really humbles you too with it's not going to be instant gratification no. you got to work at it yeah and there, so. there's that's definitely i think that's in the entire spectrum of hunting right and that's one of the things over the years because i didn't start hunting until i was my early 20s like one i couldn't afford it two i grew up in an area that it wasn't even a thing like what are you talking about you know i happened to see it on tv and had a fascination with wild animals yeah and it just kind of sparked that fire and i carried that fire for years i didn't have the means to do anything and as soon as i could it was just like wow 
and I think it took me five years to kill my first animal. So I carried that bow. I went on long bow hikes. Didn't <laughs> freaking thing. I mean, you're talking. I could be up on on the peak looking at downtown Los Angeles, and it looked like it was a stone's throw away, right? And I didn't know as a kid I could look up past the Hollywood sign. There's animals in there, and all that. Um, so it's pretty interesting. But bring that full circle. The things that I have learned in the last 20 some odd years of, of walking around the woods, be it with a rifle or with the bow, it has been phenomenal, not just in the patience, but in the humility aspect of it. And I think that is one of my favorite things is we lose, we lose that pride and that arrogance that we walk around with for whatever reason. Um, and it just stomps the living piss out of There's nothing like getting your ass kicked in the middle of the woods. But And we want it, right? And that's the part of it that is, it's almost, it's almost odd to most people that they don't understand unless they experience it. But it's like, I want to go and get, just get stomped. Right. Know? Get stomped and fail. And I'll take failure over and over and over and over and smile all about it the whole time. Well, and then you run back to your buddies and you go, guess what? I just got my ass kicked yeah. in the mountains, but it was so cool. We did this and this and this and Bill this. this morning, he was like, he said, we were talking, me, him, and Joe, and he was like, yeah. And he goes, sometimes I trip out on, on your Instagram stories. You know, you're like, you're talking about you're on the mountain getting your ass kicked and you have a smile on your face. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's what it's about. So it's funny, like, he's watching and he didn't even understand that. Right? He's just like, did you get that? Like, that shit is phenomenal. Right. Well, I'll take it this year. I had an elk at 40 yards with my recurve. Didn't have time to range it. I thought he was at 30. Shoot right underneath him. So disappointing. Heartbroken. Probably took me a day to get over it. Still not technically over it. But loved the experience. Like to get that close to a hole. Um, over the counter. Five point. I was stoked about it. And I missed. I, I was... Watch the arrow flight, everything. It's one thing you guys miss with the compound. We, we with the recurve, we get to watch our arrow fly the entire freaking time. Oh, dude, I had one last oh. year. We were we were dropping into this drainage, right? We're on this flat, and then it's pretty wide open. And as I'm dropping down, I see these two does on the other side of the trees, right? So you got you're open, open, wide ass open. And I'm, I'm looking, I see these two does coming up, so I, I'm skirting around like this. Um, so I'm dropping south, and I'm trying to come back up west. So as I'm dropping south, I, I break this tree, and I look, and there's this doe, and she's standing there. And she has this big, gnarly-ass hump on her shoulder. I mean, it stood up like this tall. I'm thinking, like, is that some kind of miniature fair cow? You know, looking at it. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, this is the weirdest shit I've ever seen. So instead of just peeking around, I step out the cedar. And when I step out the cedar, the biggest mule deer I've ever seen is 40 yards away from me. I mean, oh. that son of a bitch is standing this tall. He's six by eight, and he has barbed wire wrapped all around his shoulder. with one piece hanging down. Well, he's dogging the two does that I saw that are running north. Yeah. So then I drop back down. I run, I run, I run, I run. I can't see him, so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna just try and get as Pop far over. out. Yeah, as far in front as I think I can get. So as I come up, I timed it right, and he's, you know, he's 20 yards behind me, he's 50 yards out. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, he gets in, and I draw back, and I'm like, okay, he's going to be about 50 yards, 50 yards, 50 yards, and he, you know, he's starting to come up, and, and I'm trying to get him stopped. He doesn't stop, he keeps going, and then right as I'm like, okay, I'm going to just follow, and then I, I hit it. Dude, I watch, I watch my really this. Right under, right oh. under, dude. And I'm like, how the hell did I miss? Well, then he didn't he didn't bust. He was just dogging those does. Yeah, so then he, uh, he turns and then he just goes across. And as soon as he crossed over, at least on Onyx, it said it was private. And then he turned broadside. He looked at me. He was at 46 yards. And I'm looking and I'm like, bitch, I can't go. So I was like, okay, I'm looking at the map. I watched him drop down into this little ravine. So I said, all right, I'll go around. And try and cut them from the other side. So I went all the way around. I was an hour, hour and a half later. I'm coming down, and then uh, right as I start to come up, there's a, a buck that I saw earlier in the day, a really nice four that uh, I ended up killing. I said, He's in front of me. I just missed that one. I'm killing this one. Well, that's the thing is you got to take the opportunities when they're in your lap. Yeah. Like, you're not going to, I don't know, some people will hunt specific animals. 
and I just I'm, can't. I'm okay. that way with elk. Like I have a, I have a class of elk, and everything else gets a pass. And folks will go, "Why did you?" Yeah, but you have your point. That's what I'm saying. Like that's what I ended up shooting. Oh, that's still a beautiful buck. Oh, dude, he was so nice. And then you know how pictures are; they don't do justice. No, that my actually. It's either that or the uh, picture over exaggerates yeah. it too much. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my taxidermist called as I was driving down. I was like, "Hey, your mount's ready," and I'm like, "Shit!" Missed me by a couple hours, but yeah, oh. he was, I was super happy with that buck. And then that's my first, you know, my first animal as a resident to the state. So nice, congrats. Oh. But yeah, he's a nice buck. But the point is, I watched that arrow go under him, and uh, whenever I screw up, all I do is laugh at myself. It's just like... <laughs> you, you have to. If you don't laugh at yourself, you're just going to sit there and mope all day, yeah. so you might as well just start laughing. That's a decent look at him there. Oh, yeah. I need a bad freaking buck, man. No, not at all. I couldn't... There was no way that... that and maybe I should have. There was no way that I could not shoot that animal when knowing the other one was there, it was a little rough, but it was like, okay, I'll go back. I'm gonna try and hopefully that guy will pop up this year. So I put in for the same tag. So, we'll so but that's the thing is you said you had a class of bull. Yes. But you're not gonna pass up on a bull that is in that class because you know that there's a little bit bigger. Oh no, 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 right. As long as it's not below a certain standard, point. right? Last year I told with myself, so I'm I was getting my butt kicked and everything was pretty quiet. And I had some encounters, I had one one good opportunity that was blown. Um, you know how the, they just have everything in their favor, like that wind switches at the right moment, type mm. thing, right. And that was a, a huge bull. But I, I'm sitting, I'm calling, nothing's answering. It's it's probably in the middle of freaking muzzle over season. And uh, I'm trying to, you know, not get killed. So I'm hunting these little tiny timber patches that everybody's driving by. And uh, we're sometimes just whole treasure mines. Oh, dude, it's crazy. And I come across a bedded bull. And it, he didn't know I was there. I sat and watched him for six, seven minutes. And yeah. He's 46 yards, 42 or 46 yards, one But he's just, he just bedded. And I toiled and I toiled. And I go, you know what, screw it, I'm going to shoot him. Well, by the time I said I'm going to shoot him and I knock an arrow, they're herding all the sheep up on the flat tops. Oh. So the helicopter comes in, he boogers. And yeah, it has gone. It went south and I'm like, man. And then I, at first I was a little bit bummed out about it. And then it was like, you know what? I don't think I regret it. And then my wife tells me, she goes, you know, I'm glad you didn't shoot. She goes, because you would have been upset with yourself. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Yeah. And uh, it's hard though, man. It's hard to pass an animal, especially if it's day 16, day 17, and it's been hard hunting. It's hard to pass. Just, let's put some meat in the freezer. <laughs> That's what that, it's one of those four. things. Like, oh. <laughs> but, but I don't know. It's hard when with, with me and Elk, man, it's just... I just have this standard, and if I don't hold that, I think I, I think ultimately I'd regret it. But it's amazing to me, like going back to you were just hunting some trees on the side of the road. It's amazing to me how many people walk past animals. Like I hunt still in the back country. I'm five miles back in, but I have people passing me going eight, nine, ten miles back in. Singles, doubles, like you, you got to still get that thing out of there, yeah. and. I know I'm on animals, but you're still walking past me thinking that it's going to be better. Like, why, why are you keep going? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you definitely have to, I mean, that's it. That's an entire podcast in itself, right? When you start, especially in September, depending on where you're hunting. I think the beginning of season last year on the flat top, we were looking at 76 to 81, 82 degrees. Yeah. You're four miles in and you're solo. But you got to get that animal out. you got to get it out expeditiously. I mean, yes, we have big cover, but... I mean, there's things you can do, but that only lasts so long. Only so long. That area that we hunted was basically south side of the flats. I'm not going to say exactly where it was. No water. No sun. Or no shade. Hardly any shade. Uh, and steep and deep. It was like, there's no way. We got we had started chasing bulls the one that the second day, kind of not a blown opportunity, but there's a mass exodus from the flat tops a certain way to a certain area. Oh. 
And uh, I woke up, dude, and it was just like, all you could smell is up. I mean, it was just, there were so many freaking animals. Bulls are talking, bulls are talking. Hey, who? There's this bull, and he is responding to everything, and he's pissed off about every bull that's talking. So yeah. I just started going at him. I had him coming in on the screen, and where we were, and it's, it's partially my fault, is I didn't I didn't set up because it was like they're moving. We got to try and pull them. A to B is rough to turn them around. I was surprised that I turned them off of his A to B path. Yeah, and was able to get him to come across. Well, it was so wide open, he would have been able to come up and look and not see anything. He was just taking off. So I had to basically run down position myself where he moved up a lot faster than I thought he was going to so I didn't make it to where I wanted to for the setup for the shot oh I didn't have a chance you know or choice the wind is kind of coming across me this way so I'm like as long as I get him before he is right in front of me we're good we're good to go and uh, he's coming I see him through the trees I'm a little bit further back than I wanted to be because I, I limited my shot opportunity he had to pass the tree at that point and almost get right in front of me and uh, dude he gets to a point and it was just like okay he's about to cross me and then the next thing I know I feel the wind just go like this across my face and right on the back of the neck no it was like the back of the neck is where it was the whole time so oh, and like, it just and it kind of cut across I'm like what the hell is that like that, there's no reason that I need three more steps and that wind switch. And then it's like, as soon as they boogie out, guess what? It's right on the back of the neck again. Just dumb luck. <laughs> dumb luck. It's their good luck. I, it's I, I swear that they know that stuff. That like, okay, if I stop right here, the wind's going to switch. And then I can start walking again. It's like, it's what are you doing? Yeah, it was crazy. But that was a big bull. I actually called in two off for that. There was, so he had a little satellite following him. But. That was the biggest bull I saw last year. He was a really, he was a really, really good bull. So that one, that one hurt a little bit, but what do you, you know what I mean? What, what do you do? do? It's like, okay, I, I should have done this. Yeah. And it's like, in the moment, you got to do what's required. Right. <laughs> and that meant run your ass down the hill because he comes around that tree and he's going to look up. And there's nothing there. He's just gonna turn around and go. So I might as well try and get close. Well, and that's like my buddy this year. He uh he's been hunting for about three years now. So I he adult onset hunter. I brought him out. Uh, he had a buck this year. We were hunting that same time period, that 75, 80 degrees up north, and uh, he had a buck at like 40 yards and he kept trying to sneak in and it was bedded down in there and i'm like dude stop dude stop because i was out at 90 yards and i knew i'm like dude if you just stop right there just wait for him like we can wait this guy out and he eventually got busted because he snapped a twig and it was like oh and i mean this guy jumps up and he's a five by five mule deer just freaking beautiful um, not super wide, but nice and tall. Mm -hmm. And he ran out, and I was like, "Oh, that's the buck. That's a nice <laughs> buck." Like, oh, that man. was you bring up, you know, buddies uh, and whatnot. So my my neighbor across the street, he's hunted his whole life, never archery, never been anything serious. You know, he's raised on some decent private ground. So that was one of the cooler parts about you know that call in scenario with that wind bust is that he was there with me. And uh, he's like, what should I do? I go, just fuck here. Don't do anything. Just walk. Just shut up. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, everything is blowing and I get back up to him. He has an arrow knocked. He's a, he's like 100 yards away. He has an arrow knocked. No chance. Right. And trembling. <laughs> and he's like, that's, that's the coolest shit I ever seen in my life. He's like, he was like, you called two of them in. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, there was two bulls coming into you. I only saw the one. Oh, <laughs> that is so hard when you're sitting backseat. Yeah, oh. but it was it was so cool to to have him on his first day elk hunting to have that experience, right, and to see the excitement. So it's like, okay, it was a blown opportunity, but now I walk back up to my buddy, and this dude is just pumped up. It's the best Hooked for life. Ever. Yeah, that's it. It's the best thing he's ever seen in his life, and it was just like, man, that was freaking awesome. Yeah, you know, and I was, and I told him, like, I don't expect this shit every day. <laughs> this ain't normal. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, we just got caught in this big mass exodus, you know. Yeah, and they were just getting away from the crowds. You know? Gone. By the, was it opening day? It was the second day of season. Yeah, and we could hear the traffic, you know, um, 
we were we were probably two two and a half three miles off of where all the traffic was um, the roads there and you could just hear it all day side by sides and then what part of that is recreators right it is Colorado it is the flat tops yeah right so what part of that is recreators but with the increased traffic I think we just got caught in the middle of a mass exodus that entire night and folks listen to the podcast heard it probably a million times but that entire night I'm thinking there's a bear in camp because I would wake up every two hours yeah, freaking moving through every two hours, and I'm hearing footprints. I'm like, God damn, you know, there's nothing for you here. And yeah. uh, we get back and everything, and as we're walking back up from that, I mean, just the the areas that they bedded in, and and I mean, literally tracks, fresh tracks, six foot outside of my tent. They were walking through our freaking little drop camp and just beat the hell out of everything. So. <laughs> I'm assuming that there was probably in the neighborhood of 150 to 200 head, just based on the, the foot traffic of destruction Jeez. that was in their path. It was absolutely freaking phenomenal. They're making their own highway. Oh, dude, it was amazing. But then, you know, come to find out where they were headed is a is a production area. Okay. So they kind of they come down a couple of these uh, these drainages. They just funnel uh, in. Yeah, they're just funneling, and then they break off the two production areas. So I was like, oh, shit, even know, put us right in the right spot. Right. So what are the chances of that shit? But it's just, yeah, there's something about, man, the, like we were saying, the trial, the tribulation, and just being out there now with them is just... It's just next level. So apparently, my my thing is elk. Right. <laughs> we went from mule deer, yeah, swinging back around. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's it's just crazy how, like I said, the stories can bring. Yeah. That's it. I've talked to you once. Yeah. Last year a little bit. And now this year we're sitting here talking quite a bit. It's, uh, there's nothing like it, man. There's nothing. I have never experienced anything in my life that'll bring people faster, bring people together faster than, than our passion. Right. And I've done everything. I used to free dive, free dive for years, fish, snowboard, ride dirt and motorcycle. I rode street, you know, the road track one. I've never had the level of like-minded like thinking that I've ever experienced. It feels like it's, it's sounds so cliche, but it, sound, it feels like life's purpose. Like Bory gave and helped add purpose to life. Well, it's like a small family. Um, and really, you run into you run into people out hunting, you stop and talk. Yeah. It, it's not even a thing. Like, yeah, sometimes you get the like wave, you know, there's their stuff right around. But most of the time, you stop and talk and see how the day's been going, see if you're seeing anything. Um, my, <laughs> my area, we keep seeing moose, and I'm trying to draw that tag, but I ask everybody, like, you got a moose tag? Like, we got to go kill this moose. Like, there's a big bull that's sitting in there that is going to find an arrow one of these days. Oh, dude, we have a couple that'll come down and run around the neighborhood, and it's mayhem in the neighborhood. Oh, I'm sure. It's fucking mayhem. They they are not small creatures. Well, and they don't. They, they'll chase vehicles and whatnot through the through the streets there. Oh yeah, it's pretty funny. I've uh, I've been 20 yards from this bull before, and he is monsters and it's crazy how big that they are how agile they are I mean, we, we get our moose are at least in my head are exceptionally large for sure they are yeah yeah i didn't i didn't really expect to see that caliber moose, especially walking around my neighborhood and then even where uh yeah, that that small event. Oh, um, Sunrise Mountain? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. The, the moose up in there, have you seen them there? You know, I have not. Oh. Huge, huh? Numbers, too. I mean, there's good numbers. Every time we drive up uh, in that area, I mean, it's like... You know, there's a moose, there's a moose, yeah. there's a moose. See, and that's the other thing is in my area, we've seen quite a few calves. Almost every single year, there's one or two calves that we see. So the moose population is growing, and it... It's cool to see. Yeah, it's, ooh, that opens up another conversation, which we uh, need to know. <laughs> I'm not, nope, I'm not even touching that conversation. 
that that's crazy, right? Because that was a reintroduction, and it's a reintroduction that's been a success. That's beneficial. Yeah, and it's like, what's? But we're not going to go into the other one. What's going to happen to that oh. with this new thing? That's it. It's it's interesting. It's interesting. Right? But there's just there's definitely people out there trying to fight that one. Yeah, and I think I think we're going to be on the other end. I I hope that we start realizing that we actually have to have a plan in place and not just throw them in. Right. Because. We can't just throw them in. If we throw them in, we're going to ruin a lot of what we've worked for. And people back in 1920s, 1930s started bringing this reintroduction back. Turkeys were almost gone. Bison were almost gone. We had a whole issue with elk and deer. And we finally started growing our population. We might not be in the heyday that it was in the 80s and 90s, but we still have to protect this population that we've grown of the animal side of things, the wildlife. What's scary is it's been through good sound management and management strategy that has helped bring those populations back. Now they're trying to do something and they don't want a But we're ignored we're ignoring the biological research on this of what should actually happen. You don't put a gag order on a whole state system without it being a bad thing. So don't send your hate mail to the guy. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And I'm not you know, opposed to it full on. I just think there needs to be some common sense. Uh, stipulations that are with it. Well, here's the thing is wolves are already coming down from Wyoming into Colorado. They're here. Yeah. But they're coming in slowly so your prey is actually learning about the predator as they're coming in rather than dropping them in a spot where they have absolutely no clue about it, have never seen it for generations of those animals and have no clue. So you're dropping them in a population where they're going to absolutely decimate those populations. Yeah. That's a that's kind of you know you talk to folks in Idaho and that was their experience. And just you know I don't want to delve we can go down that rabbit hole but it's just very interesting to talk about the news and it's like man we're seeing good numbers you're seeing calves on the ground and that could be obliterated in no time flat and I'm sure that they're going that's going to be their first hit uh, but I don't think there's going to be any discriminatory issues with whatever's on the landscape that they can grab or they're gonna go for it so well, brother it was uh, great talking to you man yeah uh, it's always a pleasure to sit down you know look at a guy eye to eye and just shoot the shit for a few but yeah get it going we'll have to uh do some more daily um yeah go, uh, go shoot some arrows together right we'll, we'll sneak away a bailey yeah we'll make yeah. that happen yeah, yeah. Alrighty, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys.